of all ages and welcome to another cross time zone episode of Phillies Therapy. My name is Paul Boyer. I am stationed out in the Superior Eastern Time Zone. With me as always is the Athletic Philadelphia's Matt Gelb in the dry heat and the inferior Pacific Time Zone in Arizona where the Phillies are about to kick off a new road trip. Good morning, Matt. How are you? Mountain Time Zone, although oh, it's 3 hours me. behind, but excuse it's 3 hours me. behind cuz they don't do daylight savings here. So That's right. I've been awake since 4:30 uh local time out here. The first day on the West Coast is always uh the toughest, but uh it's already it's I'm talking to you right now, it's 8:30ish out here. It's already 93 degrees. I walked around for a little bit. It's going to be 108 degrees tomorrow and then uh we go to San Francisco from here and it's going to be 65 degrees. That that feels like an easy adjustment. <laughs> I mean, it's, I, I love both of these cities. Right. Uh, I wish like, I wish we were here at a different time. We always come to Phoenix in like the dead of summer. Uh, I, 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 I don't like that, but uh, I do really like Phoenix. I like the Phoenix area and in San Francisco is, is the best, the best ballpark, my favorite ballpark in baseball. So excited for this trip and uh, Phillies, Phillies are in a weird spot, Paul. Like there's, there's not a lot to like stress about right now. I guess there are some things to stress about, but Baseball Reference has them right now this morning as 98.6% chance to make the postseason. I, I think the thing now is that the thing to stress about is that we shouldn't really feel that stressed. You know, just the the Philadelphia way. Like, what, why shouldn't we feel stressed? What's going on? What don't we know? What's happening? <laughs> well, the, the simple fact of the matter is you're right. Right now, as we're recording this before Monday's games, uh, the Phillies are two and a half up on the Padres for the sixth seed and four up on the Milwaukee Brewers for a spot. You look even further down there, 10 games ahead of the next team, the Giants. So there's padding there. They're, it's really a three-team race for that. And they have the tiebreakers over both San Diego and Milwaukee. Yes, yes. The the new playoff system means there's no more game 163s. It's purely tiebreakers. The first one is that head-to-head in-season record, and the Phillies have that tiebreaker over both teams. They they are in the driver's seat. They are controlling things. They are completely in control of their own destiny and have a pretty easy schedule still for the rest of the season, barring you know a, a trip to Atlanta and a little, a little tussle with Toronto. Fine, whatever. You sandwich that with a bunch of weaker teams. It's a good spot, and I, I'm trying to find ways – to bring myself down a little bit to try and you know rationalize okay maybe it's not as good as it seems partially it's that you know ptsd of living through the last couple of years most recently where things have completely fallen apart as the calendar flipped to september but also i just forget what it's like to root for this team in the playoffs and i'm finding (laughs) myself like i have to relearn I have to re- I have to figure out again what it's like to watch playoff baseball with with skin in the game. Now I'm not talking about betting. I'm talking about like the the team I follow, the team I really actually want to win beyond just a casual like okay, don't let the Braves or Mets win, you know, like that sort of thing. And I I need to take this next month really to try and recalibrate my brain because it's a completely different thing. It's a completely different set of, of well, I won't say rules cuz it's obviously the same game, but they play it differently. You have to rethink about like what it takes to go into a playoff series and actually pull it out. I think the good thing 
we want to just get right into this and, and really just jump ahead. I, I am tempting so many bad cosmic things by talking about the playoffs right now. I know you it. really are. Oh my God, but I'm going to do it anyway. If you look at what the Phillies are regarded as, I guess, nationally, maybe I'm projecting a little bit, but the feeling I get nationally is that no matter what seed they come in uh, as a playoff team this year, they will be the underdog in any series they play. They will be correct. They will be the underdog in the three game wildcard series because they'll probably be on the road and then they'll probably face either Atlanta or St. Louis. And both those teams are, are very good. They'll be the underdog there. Regardless of whether they win, they'll be the underdog in the division series. They, they will be that team that just doesn't have the expectation of coming out on top. So just summarily. So is it okay to think then that any kind of result after they make the playoffs, and I think we got into this a little bit, or maybe I got into this a little bit with Ethan a couple weeks ago, is any result okay, given that supposition? Is anything okay? Is it all house money? I, I mean, I think so. I really do. I do too. To your point, to your point about, you know, trying to, the, the schedule, and I know everyone's like, oh, you said that last year, but they have 20% of their remaining games are against the Nationals. So many of these <laughs> seven, teams are bad. Seven, seven out of 34. And it's, it's not just that they're playing bad teams. It's like, obviously, the National League this year, there are some really, really bad teams. Yeah. Really bad. Uh, and and I would group Miami in there, you know, and they have still six left against Miami. And, and it's that's 13 of 34 against the Marlins and Nationals. And, Dude, I, uh, I miss Honestly, one of the, so one of the better teams, one of the better teams that they're going to face is, is Arizona out here. Arizona is is is, is eight games under 500. They, they play decent ball. They have good pitching. They're calling up. Uh, you know, one of the best prospects they've had in, in the last decade, Corbin Carroll, he's going to play mm-hmm. for them this week. So that'd be mm-hmm. kind of cool, but you know, it's a good test for them. And the giants are just sinking. Uh, you know, I'm sure this delights a certain subset of the Phillies fan base that a Gabe Kapler team is just absolutely <laughs> yeah, sinking. They really uh, are. You know, totally sinking. They're four games under 500 now. I mean, they're done. So uh, yeah, I, we talked about this a little, Paul, like what constitutes a, a success this season. And, and I, I think you're right. I mean, like they will be heavy underdogs, you know, a series, a three game series, either in Atlanta or in St. Louis is, is a really big, big ask. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, I don't know if you tweeted about this or somebody tweeted about this. It's going to be really interesting to see late in the season. I mean, what, what the Phillies should be rooting, what Phillies saying should be rooting for right now is for the Braves and the Mets to stay as close uh, as as they possibly can, absolutely. You want those two teams to have to keep fighting for that division spot, yep. Because it's going to make the end of season game theory really interesting. The the Braves and the Mets finish the season uh, with a weekend series. It, it's the uh, second to last series of the season. The mm-hmm. uh, the Mets go to Atlanta for three, and then I think the Braves have the Marlins in the last series. I'm not sure who the Mets play in the last series, but you start wondering. It's like okay. If you're those teams, do you hold back? Do you, do you play for the bye, or do you hold back your starting pitchers and set it up for the three game series? The Mets that, get that, the Nats, by the way. Yeah, so that's that. You want those teams to have to think about that, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you're going to be if you're the Phillies, if you're going to be the five seed, which right now is what they are, and they would be playing uh, the best wild card team, which will be either the Mets or the Braves. So you want them to have to think about how they're going to play out that end of season situation and could you imagine like what if they what if they get the Mets or Braves and they've had to use one of their guys at the end of the season to try to go for the bye Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It's just well, an interesting layer to it. I think it, you want those teams you're rooting obviously against the Brewers and the Padres. You want them to keep losing. And it's funny how they made that Josh Hader trade. And now both franchises are cursed apparently, oh boy. Yeah. but you want the thing that you're, I think you're rooting for more than anything is for the Braves and the Mets to stay close for, for the Braves to be within striking distance and try to play for the division. Yes. No, that's absolutely right. Because you, it's, it's bad fandom to root for injuries. Like you don't, you don't want your opponents to get crippled. I, f- I feel like that's, that takes something away from it and also just the human aspect of it. So <laughs> from a competition standpoint, yes, you want the people you are likely to face, the teams you are likely to face to have to exhaust every resource at their disposal to get to the same spot that you're trying to go to, right? Because that will give you as much of an advantage as you can have. And the Phillies are going to need that. Like it, there are short series, a three-game series, anything can happen. The Phillies on, will play on the, the Braves road, really. It's yeah. hard. I mean, like yeah. how many? I, we I talked about. I mean, like I don't know how many. Like, are there going to be how many road teams are going to win that first round out of the four series? And I don't know. Maybe there won't be one. Maybe there'll be two. Maybe there, I don't know. Like we haven't seen a format like this. It's interesting to me. Uh, I, I I'm I'm curious to see you know what happens like in the in, in the in the first iteration of this new postseason tournament. Yeah, yeah. That, I'm very curious to see because th- there are the, the the conflicting sides of my brain. They're like, oh, having home field for all three potential games is a is a nice upside. You know, there are teams that definitely play better at home than on the road, and it's a nice perk to have if you finish in a better position. Your bad but last is it's just an inherent inv- advantage too. I mean, there is yeah. a, there's a slight advantage. It might not be significant, but just there is a slight advantage to batting last. Sure. Sure. And you have, you know, on the other side of things you have, it's just a short series. Like ha- look at what, yeah. look at what Baltimore did with Houston this weekend over in the American league. I mean, Baltimore crazy, playing, right? Right. Th- there's a short series. Baltimore won that series. Baltimore won that short series. Look, they could have swept it. <laughs> they could have swept it. Anything can happen in these short series. So, Yes, on the one side, you have the home field, and the Phillies are not going to be playing at home, most likely barring a ridiculous tear. They're not going to be playing at home. Yeah. How many are they behind? How many are they behind the Braves? I mean, they're six and a half. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was more than that. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, it, you know, don't get all seven with 17 to play on us yet. Mathematically, it's possible. It's it's probably not happening. So, they're probably going to be playing on the road, but all you have to do is win two out of three. And the thing that really sticks with me, and I'm really just tapping into all my optimism kegs right now. I feel like this team as constructed post deadline, getting guys back and healthy, if they get to full strength, and I'm not counting on, you know, like the Zach Eflin type thing, like whatever you get from Zach Eflin at this point is a bonus. I'm talking about getting Sir Anthony Dominguez back in particular, making sure Zach Wheeler is healthy and Nola is healthy. If this team is at full strength, I really do think they can hang with any wild card opponent. When the series get longer, then things get a little bit tougher, especially if you have to play, you know, the Mets in the division series, you know, the Dodgers, you know, that's, that's a completely different thing. Um, But I really think there's a chance for them to advance. And I'm trying to, to reel myself in a bit and think, well, they're set up so well. And I really think they could do this. And maybe it will be a disappointment if they don't advance. You feel too optimistic. Yeah. This is a strange feeling for you. Yeah. Oh, it absolutely is. You know, the, the playoff odds that we were talking about, the 90%, the 98%, and all these ridiculously high numbers, you look at it and you're like, well, well, yeah, wow, I guess they really do have such a great shot. But you look at the standings, four games is not a t- 
time. You feel like there needs to be like a 20% Phillies tax bumped into this, right? You're like (laughs) 98.6%, but adjusted for Phillies fandom, it should be 78%. There's a handicap, man. There's a handicap on it all. Like I I personally won't feel, I won't feel like I can really talk without fear of cosmic retribution until they're like, oh, I don't know, five games up with seven to play or something like that, <laughs> where the odds are just crazy long, where they have to have a 1964-level collapse. Not even forget the last couple of years, where they have to just completely implode. And if they do that, you, oh, well, well... Then they should just uh, contract the franchise. Fold the franchise. Um, no, I, I'm not going to totally relax until they really put this out of reach, because four games, four games plus a tiebreaker, it, that's nice. That, that really is nice. It's not it's not sealed yet. They don't have a berth. They are not clinched. Nobody has mathematically. Um, There's more work to do. I'm extra thankful that the schedule is so easy, relatively coming down the stretch. I I was watching MLB network yesterday and they had a graphic up for uh, strength, the schedule for the remaining wildcard contenders. I think they had the second easiest. It was somewhere around like 480 is the combined winning percentage of their opponents. And that factors in Atlanta being so far over 500 and, you know, Toronto being 10 games over. Um, it's about as well set up as it can be. Oh, and it also includes Houston um, at the end of the year, too, of course. Um, it sets things up as well as it can be to get to what you were talking about a few weeks ago to make that Houston series not matter, because that's another key advantage. And we're talking Huge. about winning all the margins, all the, all the little things that the Phillies need to take into the playoffs. If they can make that series not matter, which they're playing like they want to make that not matter, which is great. If they can make that series not matter, it just becomes that much bigger. Um, I know my and, and, and if it only on yeah, and if it only matters, like if, if the only thing that's decide, going to be decided in the Houston series is whether you're the five or the six seed, mm. that's terrific. Yeah, that's fine. That that is totally fine. I I personally don't care. It's a three game series either way you know one team will they're gonna be underdogs regardless yep, yeah yep exactly and the cardinals right. are playing really well right now and it's like of well course. do you want oh you want to avoid the braves so you got to be the 60 it's like i don't know I, I don't know it almost feels like karma right that like the first postseason game is going to be october 7th uh aren't they shouldn't they be playing the cardinals because october 7th 2011 was the last postseason game and it was against the cardinals i i have repressed that Thank you. I did not remember that it was. October I just wanted 7th. to look. When you're talking about the schedules, I was looking at the Brewers' schedule. The Brewers' um, schedule is kind of interesting. I mean, obviously they have the dregs of the of the NL Central. Like they have some Pirates games, some Reds yeah. games, but they have this stretch where they go on the West Coast. They go to Arizona, and Colorado, then they come home for a doubleheader right off right off of a Coors Field series, no day Ooh. off. A doubleheader against the Giants. Again, they stink, but still a doubleheader. Yeah. Then they have this like uh, this eight game stretch in the middle of September two against St. Louis. And then uh, they have a <laughs> Milwaukee has a homestand where it's both New York teams come in the Yankees. And then the Mets uh, in September. Oh, that's weird. Yes. In the middle of September. So they, they have, I mean, what you're looking at right now is the Brewers. I mean, again, remember we kept talking about this. It's, it's just seven teams for six spots. So all you need is one. Te- all you need to be is better than one of those teams. Mm-hmm. And they're clearly superior than the Brewers. Now, do the Brewers have a run left in them? Probably. I suspect that they'll play a little better here. Like, I think they will. They just really had trouble against the the Cubs uh, and they had two series against the Dodgers baked in there too. So like they've had a tougher schedule, but uh, you're just looking to be better than one team. And and the Brewers schedule is, is there are challenges there. 
you know, I, I, I keep thinking about the point you were talking about with matchups and the playoffs and, and, and all of that. This year, I really don't feel like there's any easy team. I, I don't feel like there's any one team you're trying to target of the likely contenders and the likely, you know, six-team configurations in the National League. Uh, the National League at. is strong. Yeah, it's you're, really looking strong. At it, you're looking at it like... And the NL East, go figure, is... is the best division. How many, of the three. how many wins? How many wins is the NL East winner going to have, Paul? How Ooh. many wins does it take to get this division this year? Well, do you think? All right. So I'm looking at the standings right now. The Mets are 82 and 47 with a month to play. Month and change to play, honestly. Yeah, I, you know, I, I could see, I could see it taking and needing 95, which oh, is I crazy. It's going to take 100. And they'll, well, one of them is going to get 100. You know, I could look at the Mets taking 18 of their last you know 20 whatever games to to finish with 100 wins absolutely absolutely i could see that i think i, I, I think the braves i think the braves are going to get to like 97 or 98 could you imagine man two teams in the same division pushing for 100 and the in the nl east at least i don't, I don't remember the last time that's happened i'd have to go back and, and dig it's been that a while up. that's that's strong that's really strong and it, it honestly should make you feel a little bit better about how the mets walked over the phillies in the regular season series because we went about this, you know, at length already, but the Mets are a really good team. And if they're that good, sure, you don't, you know, you don't want five and 14 against anybody. Fine, whatever. But it makes you feel better about what they've been able to do against every other team. You know, given that they're now, what, 20 games over 500 against the rest of the league, not called the Mets. You'll see that come up, I'm sure, a lot as the playoff run ramps up. Um, but it's true. The Mets are one of the two best teams in the National League. And the Phillies did not do well against them. They did pretty well against the, the other top team in the National League, though, albeit in fewer games. They stack up. And I feel like yeah. we should I feel like we should keep that in mind, right? Like we part of relearning what it's like to root for a playoff team, I think has to be having confidence in that team to actually win some games. I know that that flies in the face a little bit of what I was saying, like, oh, they'll just make it and that'll be a success. Fine. It's a little bit different. I think. I think the level of satisfaction of the playoff run and the expectations for the performance of the team can be separate things. I think we can go into it expecting that the Phillies are going to be an underdog and not necessarily be surprised if they, you know, lose two games and they don't win a game. I think that could happen, of course. But I also don't think it would be a surprise if they take a series and make the following series interesting. They are, they are top-heavy which can be a problem in the regular season in the playoffs, especially in short series. Maybe that could work to your advantage. I don't know. I'm trying to recalibrate my brain to think about these things in, in a more positive light, because what good does it do us in enjoying this playoff run? If we're not thinking that things could go well, at least in part. Do you, do you feel like they need to be the five seeds? So it doesn't feel cheap. Because no. if they're the six, they wouldn't have made the playoffs in any other year. You're fine. No, you don't no. care. No, yeah. I, I, I don't. I, I understand that. I do. I really do. I, I feel like there's some kind of, especially because it's so new, it's a new spot. Maybe you feel like, oh, okay, that their playoff drought really, I, I get that. And I think that would live in the back of our minds. Um, it would not bother me so much because rules are rules. They got in. Like, I, I consider the Dodgers World Series Championship completely legitimate. Short season, weird yeah. circumstances, of course. Yeah. They won a World Series. You know, yeah. it's that kind of thing. It doesn't it doesn't have an asterisk for me. So so part of recalibrating, Paul, is like, how do we look at these next five weeks? Like, how do we treat these games? How do we mm. 
you know, obviously the priority, the number one priority for, uh, for the Phillies right now is health. Like making yes. sure the guys who are on the field do not get hurt, mm-hmm. making sure you don't overwork some of your pitchers, making sure you get some of your injured pitchers back, you know, two big guys in particular, but like how, I don't know. It's like, I, I'm, I'm, I was thinking about it on the flight out here. It's like, it's been a long time since I've been writing about a team in this position. And again, nothing is guaranteed, but it's almost like <laughs> yeah. what, you know, how do you treat these games? Like a game like Sunday, they lost, you know, they, they didn't get the sweep against the pirates. You know, Syndergaard didn't pitch great. He looks like a fifth starter, which is kind of what they thought he was when they got him. Mm-hmm. It, it's like, how do you, you almost just like brush it off and be like, yeah, you know, they won the series. Like as long yep. as you're winning series, you really don't care. But uh, I don't know. It's a weird, you know, you're trying to calibrate. So it's like, what are you looking for in these last five weeks here? Like what is important to you in your mind other than health? Well, first of all, I, I think that's an interesting point you brought up because I've, I've been wondering what it would take to shake the feeling of, you know, having a bad loss be something that can run off your back. Um, and I guess it turns out, you know, being 30 games over 500 since the new manager took over, whatever it is, <laughs> it goes a long way toward that. So that's about the level we're at. Um, but you're right. I That didn't bother me. Sunday's game didn't bother me. Like they they didn't put up a good fight, but Rolansi Contreras also had really good stuff. He's he's an interesting pitcher to watch moving forward, depending on whatever Pittsburgh decides to do with him. Um, yes, I, 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 health health is very, very important. Health is more important to me than even how anybody is performing and what their numbers look like as we enter these last series of the year. You know, if you have somebody who, say say Bryce Harper throws up a goose egg in the Houston series as much as he plays, however much it matters at that point. That doesn't really bother me. And that won't really get me feeling like he's going to come into the playoff series against whomever, whatever team uh, on some kind of skid or necessarily, you know, bomb out. That, that doesn't really affect me because things change. Circumstances change. Environments change. It becomes a, a different game. Mostly. I I want this team to be as close to full strength as they can possibly be. I want them to have the good problem of figuring out who to bring on that playoff roster, what the the best matchups would be for the 25th and 26th men that you're going to bring onto that roster. I want there to be tough decisions. I want there to be guys who are, uh, even if their numbers aren't looking great, looking good enough on the fringes to be making that argument. I want to feel as though there's really a chance going into this series. Um, Because so much of talking from the fanhood perspective, so much of watching playoff baseball is being able to talk yourself down from the huge emotional swings that take place, especially on the negative side. If an inning starts to go awry it feels so much more impactful than a bad inning in the regular season that it can almost be suffocating if a team mm-hmm. drops three or four on you in a single inning. It is it is hard to recover from that mentally and emotionally. You feel as though you're you're pinned in a corner and things are nearly insurmountable. When if it's in the regular season, you just kind of take it in a stride. It just be it becomes so much more intense. You want to feel like this team is at full strength. Because right now in the regular season, it does not feel like this team is out of any game that they are trailing. You can almost say the converse in that you can't fully trust this depleted bullpen the way it's looking right now. It hasn't been as good lately. Still pretty good. Hasn't been quite as good lately. So you wonder like, can we trust them with a, a late lead? You know, that that's a separate issue. 
you want to feel that same feeling you have now that if they go behind early in a game or even if they blow a late lead, that they are not out of it, that that is not the end of the game. And I don't think you can get that feeling unless this team comes in as close to full strength as it can possibly be. So health for me, absolutely number one, number one with the bullet. I like I like what you're saying uh, about the roster. You know, you want to you want there to be tough decisions, and it, it makes me think back to like what covering them in 2010 and 2011 was like late in the year. You know, it was like John Bowker or Brandon Moss for the postseason roster, <laughs> <laughs> and I remember that debate. And, and they they were obviously on the wrong side of history with that debate. Yeah. Um, even though Brandon Moss, you know, he had like one good year after that, but it was a good year. Right. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. I think yeah, you want guys to make it interesting i'm, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see who they call up later this week when the rosters expand you know they'll get one pitcher and one hitter and you know the pitching is is is, is pretty depleted right now um yeah. you know maybe it's dominguez although i think he probably will, won't be you know activated right away when he's ready so you look further down the chart and you're like well you know is it is it francisco morales he's throwing the ball better mark appell has not thrown the ball well uh the reports have not been great a lot of command problems uh, you know, do you go back to a guy like Plasmeyer who, who <laughs> all of a sudden is like in the picture and, you Man. know, credit to him. He stayed on the 40 after, you know, getting four big outs and, and, uh, coming completely out of nowhere. Uh, you know, is Derek Hall the guy you're bringing up or you bring up, uh, Rafael Marchand? I don't know. I mean, is it, is it Munoz? You know what? So like they have, they have options. Like there are guys, there are different guys that could consider, uh, you know, I know these roster spots are pretty, you know, they're not significant, the 27th, 28th men, but, you know, yeah, I mean, you're thinking toward a postseason series because, like, guys like Nick Nelson and Bailey Falter probably aren't on a postseason roster, mm-hmm. you know, especially in a three-game series. I don't yep. think those guys are on. So you have some flexibility. You're, you want to see different guys in different spots here because you can be creative with how you construct a a, a 26-man roster for a three-game playoff series. And, and they have depth, and that was the biggest thing, you know, I wrote – a big feature over the weekend at the athletic just about it really is amazing. I mean, I think we, we haven't taken time to recognize, you know, they, they went 32 and 20 without Bryce and, and it was a testament to a lot of different things, but really it went against the face of everything that we have come to think of the Phillies as in recent years, you know, young players floundering or plateauing at the major league level, uh, top heavy rosters that, you know, just didn't have enough pieces around the stars to get the job done. And, and for those 61 days that they were without Bryce Harper, their best player, one of the best players on the planet, their depth and their young players really, really shined. And it, it, it is such, uh, <laughs> it's such a revelation in my opinion. It really, uh, it, it really showed how much progress I think there's been. And, 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 and uh, I don't think it's all about one person. Like a lot of people like look at Rob Thompson as, as like the sole reason why all this is going good. And I think Rob Thompson has been a huge reason why, but uh, a manager change doesn't didn't, isn't the reason why like all these trends just all of a sudden, you know, reversed for this franchise. I think it's a, it's a combination of a lot of different things. And, and like, as I wrote in my story, I think Kyle Schwarber behind the scenes was a huge factor in a lot of this. And that's why they acquired him uh, because he's, you know, he's a good hitter obviously, but also because he has this, uh, experience and this presence that I think they've really lacked. And I think it came through in these last two months and 32 and 20, Paul, without Bryce, remember when this injury happened, we're like, well, they just got to tread water. Yep. Like if they can just tread water, like they, you know, 
and he comes back and they're, you know, they're, they're in it, you know, maybe they're, they're a couple games back of a postseason spot. Then, you know, Bryce comes back and they get this energy and they go for it. They try to just have this crazy September. Like <laughs> he went 32 and 20 32 without and 20. Bryce Harper. And it was, and, and as Schwarber said to me, and like, I thought it was so, so, uh, such a wise observation. He's like, it's not, it wasn't even about the record. It was how we did it. It wasn't that like one or two guys carried the club because it really wasn't. And they got contributions from a lot of different guys. And, and, and there weren't a lot of easy wins in that, in those 32. That's right. Uh, there were some blowouts, but not a lot. Uh, and, you know, the bullpen, you know, all these trends, like bad bullpen, no depth, younger players, uh, miscast in the majors like all of that changed in two months it's amazing honestly i i think if there's if there's a game i'm going to think back on as 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 a as a momentum shifter for me personally thinking about how i view this team and how they were setting themselves up for for a stretch run and okay do i really buy into this or are there still too many flaws i really think i have to go back to uh the middle of this month the middle of august in the Sandy Alcantara game against the Marlins um, oh, yeah. Yeah. back back in, uh, I think, it was August 9th or 10th, um, where Alcantara was just cruising. Dom- dominant. Low pitch count in late innings, looking great. And, and I, I, have, I have comments on both, both sides of, of this particular thing. And it was, uh, I'm pulling up the box score now, it was 2-1 after seven innings, Miami tax one on the top of the eighth, and Alcantara goes back out for the eighth inning. And you're like, okay, well, that makes a lot of sense. He's he's cruising. He's at, I think it was probably like 70 pitches through seven innings or something ridiculous. And the Phillies just start chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. Single by Gene Segura, single by Bryson Stott, single from Brandon Marsh, single for Kyle Schwarber. And all of a sudden, it's a 3-3 game. What I love next from the other side is that Miami, a team that's out of it and doesn't really, by this point, they're not playing for, you know, winning this game because they need to win this game for playoff position. They're playing this game to continue developing and growing for next year. Um, that Don Mattingly left Sandy Alcantara in because his pitch count was still low. He was still looking good. The stuff, to my memory, still looked really crisp. And this is a guy who's probably right now going to win the Cy Young Award in the NL. You let him work through that. That is your best option. I get that he gave some stuff up. Okay, fine. Tie game. Just let him keep working through it. It ended up working to the Phillies' favor, you know, which is which is why I'm telling the story because that's what I'll remember about it. But I, I just I like that Alcantara was the one that was left in to try and handle that. That the Phillies were able to get that comeback win to pull that out in the bottom of the eighth and then have honestly, you know. Sorrentino looked fantastic against um, you know two strikeouts in, in the ninth inning to seal the save. Um, that they were able to do that against Sandy Alcantara. That was when things started feeling different for me. That was when I allowed myself the thought of, oh, okay, maybe I really can put a little extra belief in this team. Maybe there's something that really is different. And this September isn't going to result in me putting all of that faith in only to have it completely wiped out as a poor investment, something continues to feel different and they've continued to play well since then. That wasn't a flash in the pan. Um, but that is the I mean, game that been, I'll come back to. Yeah. And there's been, been so many games where you're like the game ends and you're like, the Phillies do not win this game in the last, you know, the Phillies from 
2018 to 2021 do not win this game how many times after a game have you sat there and thought that this this season uh, a lot and and a lot recently as the summer has gone on over the last couple of months I, i'd have to go back and refresh my memory a little bit more than the alcantara game but there are times and i thought about this with the the week that just ended with the the nl central cincinnati and pittsburgh you know six out of seven um it the past year's teams I still don't think they make it look that easy. It was, you know, there were, there were wins of one, two, three, and four runs in the Cincinnati series, which I thought was kind of cute. And then two pretty decent wins against Pittsburgh to start that series. They weren't blowouts like you were saying. And maybe it's a bit of confirmation bias because I'm living in this present moment, watching this team. I'm not watching the previous year's teams anymore, but it didn't feel like this was, something the previous year's teams would do. It felt like it would be tougher to pull out some of these wins than this team has made it look. I, that's really, really hard to quantify. It's really hard to express in any way other than this is what I feel, this is what I see, and so your mileage may vary. But it just continues to not abate that something about this team really just does feel different. Not in a World Series way just yet. I won't say I'm quite on that bandwagon, but we have to start somewhere. And the first step is feeling like they're actually a playoff team with more than, you know, a week to go in the season. Six, they are 43 and 22 against teams right now that are under 500. That's the sixth best mark in all of baseball, not just the national league, all of baseball. Mm. The teams mm. ahead of them, Dodgers, Braves, Mets, Blue Jays, Yankees. Those are the teams that have a better record against sub 500 teams. Well, and go. then what sticks out is that their record against teams with a winning record, it's 29 and 34. It's okay. under 500. Okay. That's the 11th best mark in baseball. And and so much of that is Mets-based. Yes. You know, I, I hate to keep taking the Mets out of these things because they might actually play the Mets in the playoffs, and they are a very real part of <laughs> why the team is where they're at right now. Um, but yeah, you take that out, and they're above 500 against teams with winning records. I mean, they have a losing record in one-run games. It's not like you can point and be like, oh, they've been so lucky. They've got, you know, they've all these wins in one-run games. Mm. Uh, they're, they're, they're 21st in in record in winning percentage in one-run games in all baseball. They haven't been lucky. <laughs> wow. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, you know, I would have thought, like, even just incidentally that that might have been the case, that that might have been something that would drive it. I'm looking at the standings now uh, along with you. and The Padres yeah. are 23 and 13 in one run games they have the best record in one run games yeah you know and you look at that and you're like hmm brewers are 23 and 19 too so you're like okay all right and 23 and 19 is fine um this team is is they are what they appear to be you know you'll hear every so often some people may or may not be familiar with pythagorean record which basically just looks at run differential does your team's runs scored and runs allowed make it Make your current record make sense, I guess, is the really high-level way of thinking about it. And right now, the Phillies are exactly in line based on their run differential with their actual record. They have yeah. a run differential of a 72-56 and 56 team. And that hasn't, been the, yep. that hasn't been the case in the past. I know, I remember, I think it was both Kapler summers where the Phillies came into the later months, either around 500, above 500, whatever their exact record was, but they totally were playing above. Yep, yeah. they were playing completely above, and not just by a game or two. I'm talking like you know four, five, six games. That's different this year. They're actually playing like a team that deserves to have this record, and that's a big deal. I think that's another point in favor of actually trying to believe in what's happening here. I, I'll give you an example. Like th today is August 29th. 
This is this was their lineup uh, on August 29th last year. It was also a game against the Diamondbacks, a game that the Phillies won. Okay. And Ranger Suarez started. That's bizarre. Okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> a year later, they're playing the Diamondbacks, and Ranger Suarez is starting. But okay. anyway, the All lineup right. the lineup last year at this time, and I, I don't know why this was the lineup. This is hilarious. Okay. This is a year ago today. Gene Segura, second base. JT Romuto, first base. Bryce okay. Harper, right field. Andrew McCutcheon, cleanup, left field. Jorge Bonifacio, center field, batting Georgie fifth. Bones. Freddie Galvis, shortstop, batting sixth. Ugh. Seventh is Ronald Torres playing third base. And batting eighth is Rafael Marchand catching. Wow. Their lineup is so much better right wow. now. It's crazy. That, it's wow. crazy. That rivals that rivals the five first baseman lineup. That's, <laughs> that's like, there's so much happening there. Jorge Bonifacio batted fifth a year ago today. I man, I remember when they called him up and immediately thrust him into the middle of the order, like he was. It was this time last year. He called. He came out for Bone. They sent Bone yeah. out, and they brought Bonifacio up. Yeah, that that send out for Bone, by the way, is going to cost him Super Two status and a decent amount of money this year. That's something I don't Did know. It? If it's going to. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. He's not going to be Super Two after this year, mostly, largely because of that demotion. Oh, um, wow. So I don't I don't know if that's a Zach Eflin situation to watch as things go on, whether they'll extend him. That's beside the point. Something to watch. So that's going to cost him some money this year. Um, you know, you can almost draw some kind of parallel to Bonifacio and Derek Hall. Hang with me here. There was, I don't remember all of the circumstances around Bonifacio being the guy they called up and adding to the 40-man roster after after signing him. I, I guess he looked okay in, in AAA, whatever. Um, but he was somebody that they tried to inject, I guess, a little bit of life in the middle of the lineup. It made sense to bat him ahead of, you know, the rest of that lineup that you mentioned. Um, and he just, he did nothing. I know he was only up for like five games or something like that. Um, but it just didn't work. It never took. And he also didn't really get much of a leash to actually try and make it work. Completely different situation this year. Derek Hall is the guy who gets the call to come up and inject a little bit of life um, as a power bat in the middle of the lineup and immediately his first three hits are home runs immediately within the first couple of games. Not only did the rogue kind of aggressive move actually pan out um, very quickly, it actually resulted in getting a little bit more leash. Now I get that he, you know, he got sent out because Harper returned a little bit early and that actually has a little bit of downstream ramification because he needs to be delayed and getting recalled. If he's going to be the 14th bat September, it's only about a week. It, you know, we can debate the merits of how much that effect actually impacts things, but it's a different situation. It's where things are actually working. We are getting, we are getting cult hero seasons, multiple cult hero seasons out of guys on this team and in this organization that would almost feel wasted short of making a playoff run. You look at Derek Hall, you look at Garrett Stubbs, you look at Andrew Bellotti. You you think about these guys who were not expected to, to do much in the way of, of major league contribution this year. Garrett Stubbs maybe because you know he's he's the backup right away and, and catchers get more play. You don't expect Andrew Bellotti and Derek Hall to make a huge impact on this team for as long as they've made an impact. They are getting these surprise positive contributions. This is not Neftali Feliz. This is not Jorge Bonifacio. These are guys who have actually contributed. Nick Vincent? Not Nick Vincent. Not Mike Morin. They are not, oh, you God. know, 
they are not they are not guys who are just going to fade into the ether and only come up when you play Sporkle once every four years. These are memorable things that are happening right now. Actually memorable, positive things. It's so refreshing to think about this team this way, playing this way, being on this kind of role, especially when things look so different, like you were saying, around the time of Harper's injury. Um, it's just, I, I haven't fully felt it sink in how much my perspective really can change and is allowed to change because this team is playing well. They're doing things differently for the better and it's working. You know, it's been so long since it all worked and came together that way that I'm trying to figure out how real it is or if I'm looking at a mirage and everything that I'm looking at data wise and eye test wise tells me that it's not, that they're actually good. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it know? goes against everything that we've, it it, 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 it's, and that's why I think it's been hard for people to, to get totally on board and I get it. Like I, I get it, but. I, I think the energy will, will sort of build here. And it's weird because they have very few home games left. Uh, they yeah. have a very heavy road schedule here the rest of the way. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think it's uh, it's only about a dozen home games left, I think. Uh, so, yeah. And 22 odd, on the road, yeah. It's going to be odd that, uh, you know, they possibly can play a postseason without having a, a home game. And, and I don't know that it'll necessarily feel like they've made it back unless they have a home game a good uh, point. in the playoffs. And so to do that, they're going to have to win a series to get a home game. That's a great uh, point. Yeah. And I think that, that, you know, if they do lose in that first round and never get to play at home in the playoffs, it's not going to feel like it happened, even though mm. it did. And I think that will bother some people and it should. I mean, I think people want to go to the ballpark and wave white towels and like feel like, and, and be scrunched oh. in together at the blue oh. seats, like, like they used to, Man. you know, it's cold out and, and all that. Like people want to feel that, um, and, and, and making the playoffs this year doesn't guarantee that. So I do no. think that, that that does that does add a little different layer here to it. So I, I understand why that is. But it really does in a lot of ways, Paul, it does feel like a lot like 2007. It really does. It feels like a team that is – you can see that they've figured things out. But you also know that they're not a great team. They're not great. They are good. And that's worth celebrating. And I think, you know, really the time without Bryce – made them a, a better team overall. And I think that's, that's something to celebrate because as an organization, they, they really, it, it's held them back. And so here we are and these last five weeks are, are going to be interesting for a lot of different reasons. But uh, I do think, you know, watching these games with that, those odds in the back of your mind that like, this is a playoff team, uh, barring a horrific collapse. Uh, so you have to treat them differently. And it's, it's, would you like to be living and dying with every pitch? Like, I think people get more excited when it's like a division race, like a pennant race, when you're trying to win the division, the wild cards maybe tamper that, mm. uh, that, that excitement a little bit. I also understand that, but yeah. you're not living and dying with every pitch is a nice luxury for the Phillies, but it also does remove some of the excitement. I get that, but, yeah. uh, this is, uh, this is a pretty good team and they're probably going to be in the playoffs. That's probably my new bar then maybe not just making the playoffs, but winning that first series and getting a home game, maybe that's maybe that's the, the really aspirational thing. I, I, yeah, and I think that's right. You want to get that. You want to get that game three and four, uh, or at the very least a game three if they get swept in the first round by the Dodgers. Uh, you at least want to get that crack at home. You want to get. I think it would be on like a Friday. Uh, 
that like second weekend of October. I got to look at the schedule, but it's something like that. I think it would be like a Friday, a Friday night home game uh, in the playoffs. Cause if they're, if they're the five seed, they'd be playing the Dodgers in the second round. It would definitely be a night game. Mm. Uh, you know, shades of Jimmy Rollins against Jonathan Broxton. Like people want to like, exp- just like kind of like feel that they want to yeah. feel that again. And so I get it. If they make the playoffs and they don't get a home game, it's not going to feel like it happened, but making the playoffs is uh it's a pretty big deal when you haven't done it for more than a decade. So. Amen. That's a good place to be. Uh, you know, there's a lot of schedule left and hopefully in, in, in this instance, we can think of it less as there's so much time for something to go wrong and more like, there's so much time to enjoy this. There's so much time to try and relearn what it's like to, to watch a playoff team and to get ourselves psyched up for that. Because for me, at least it's going to take a while. I'm, I'm going to try and use as much of this time as I can to really feel like, okay, I need to watch a game that matters. How do I do that? Um, you know, cause like I, I was, I was a kid the last time they were in the playoffs for God's sake. Isn't it crazy that they were one win away in 2020 from making the playoffs. Now that doesn't feel like it happened. It feels like it just never happened. Right. Because they I mean, were, they were under 500. They weren't even good. They weren't, we, nobody, no. nobody, that wouldn't have counted. They wouldn't have felt good. It's almost like that would have, that would have been so cheap to make the playoffs out here because they weren't good. And it was, a, you know, an odd season, obviously, but it feels like it has to happen this way. And it almost feels like they have to go to St. Louis to really make it right on October 7th, 2022, 11 years to the day when, quite frankly, I know people think it's weird when I say this. I'm not a Phillies fan. I cover the Phillies, but like the game, that game five in 2011 is the greatest baseball game I will ever attend in person. Like it was an incredibly well-played baseball game between two best friends pitching against each other who were never the same afterward. And so many reasons that game was the best game I will ever attend. Like, mm-hmm. and, I, I, and I was there for Roy Halliday's perfect game. I've been there for other playoff games. That game was the best game I'll ever watch live in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it feels fitting that 11 years later to finally get back it's got to be in St. Louis, right? It just so long as there's no squirrels. Yeah, keep all the rodents out. I, at some point, I feel as though there needs to be a, a, a broader cleansing for this team and this franchise. <laughs> maybe, maybe they don't need to purge every single demon. They won't get to do that against the Giants. I know they have three games against the Giants to start September. That's not the same thing. <laughs> Come on. Um, Maybe, maybe this is their chance. Maybe they get that chance to, to purge the demons of 2011 and that series in St. Louis, where the best team in franchise history was, you know, deprived of their chance to really make a deep run. Maybe, maybe this is that opportunity. I don't know, but I do think that, I do think that some sort of, some sort of cleansing, some sort of. <laughs> retribution if you want to sound a little more aggressive some sort of turnabout a swing of the pendulum in the opposite direction needs to happen in order for for part of this to really feel real like the the team has truly come back into playoff and championship aspirations for for this year and then in 2023 moving forward because right now we're also focused on on getting to the playoffs and that is the great first step but there are hurdles left to overcome after that. Hopefully they do that this year. That would be great. Kill multiple birds with a single stone. Okay. At some point that has to happen. I'm, I'm personally a little bit scared of, of having to stare down the memories of the St. Louis series. I, you know, but that's part of the thing you have to get over. You got to go to baseball heaven to clean, to cleanse yourself of all the demons and ghosts that you've been chasing. Sheesh. Is that right? Well, 
well, you know, again, it's a great conversation to be had. I mean, at this point, they're probably, I mean, at this point, they're the five. I mean, do you th- mm-hmm. see the Padres? I don't know. I mean, the Padres, you think are, are better. Like, you got, you you imagine they're going to play better at some point. There's something about the Padres. There's just something, there's something off. Like what? It's interesting to watch uh, that from the outside, huh? It sure is. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. All right. Phillies, Phillies are looking good, man. And and it's it's okay to recognize that they're looking good. It is okay to realize that they are in control of their own destiny and in a very good situation. They still have work to do, but God, things have gone better than I think we could have expected given everything that's happened this summer. I'm already losing my voice a little bit from this episode. <laughs> um, hey, look, it, it's fun. It's fun to have these conversations. It's fun to think about this. And hopefully the team continues to play fun baseball I know I want to try and get back out to the yard at least one more time if I can. And I hope other people feel the same way. You know, let's let's get some of that playoff atmosphere back into this stadium, especially if there's a chance, you know, the Phillies won't have a home playoff game. Let's make these last 12 count. Let's make it feel like it's a playoff atmosphere in there. I don't care if they're playing the Nationals. <laughs> Fill those yeah, seats, that last man. well, that last homestand is two against the Blue Jays and four over a weekend against the Braves. Yeah. And uh, I feel like those Braves games, like there should be pretty good crowds. Yeah. Even if there isn't positioning at stake there, just just fill that stadium, man. Make it feel good. Make it look good on TV. Let's get some of that experience back. Let's try and rebuild that experience that so many of us remember from a decade ago, a decade plus ago, that really just injected new life into baseball in this city. Like, I want to see that make a comeback, even if it's going to be a short experience in the playoffs. Let's at least make it as impactful of one as we can do our part to get that environment back because Philly fans, like we all know this, we all take pride in this. We create an environment that's unlike any other in this sport. And I think it's really important to try and maximize that as best we can, especially if we won't get the chance to have a home playoff game. So that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to 108 degree heat. I bet you are. You woke up at five in the morning just to experience it. You're so excited you couldn't sleep. Talk to you next week. <laughs> Monday's Labor Day. I feel like we'll t- I'll talk to you once I get back east and we can, uh, you know, kind of take stock. Maybe by then we'll have a little bit of clarity on Zach Wheeler and Sir Anthony Dominguez. And we'll be talking about how the Phillies will be trying to give their starters rest in September. <laughs> what, an, what a thing. Good problem to have, man. All right. For The Athletic Philadelphia's Matt Gelb, I'm Paul Boyer. Thanks, everybody. We'll catch you next week.